My dear parishioners and friends of St. Anne's Church, welcome to our Sunday celebration of the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I greet all of you who join us in the pews today as we continue to reopen gradually and accommodate parishioners who return to Mass. And to those who join us by way of the electronic media, I greet you as well in your spiritual communion as we celebrate Mass for you today. We've been speaking about mystery a good deal these last weeks. As we said before, our Catholic faith is filled with ancient mysteries. The Most Holy Trinity, the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mystery of the motherhood of God, the mystery of the Incarnation, the mystery of the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus, the mystery of the Priesthood, the mystery of faith. So many mysteries imbued with intelligence, meaning, and wisdom, and all revealed in so many ways by Jesus, who is truly God and truly man. Truly a mystery in itself. And today, we are presented with another ancient mystery. The mystery of good and evil represented by the parable of the weeds and the wheat in the field. And as we've said before, we can't always figure out completely a mystery, but that doesn't mean that the mystery of good and evil isn't ripe with intelligence and meaning and truth for us. Remember, all these mysteries are revealed by Jesus and then developed by the church over time under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at the mystery of good and evil and see if there's any intelligence to this one. Now, for starters, I like to garden. I always have. Here at St. Anne's in Washington, D.C., we have created some beautiful landscaping and gardens all around. Realtor friends tell me that the first impression for a property is the most important. If it looks good outside, it probably looks good inside. So here we do a lot of curb appeal to make things inviting and welcoming for parishioners and visitors with the hope that some might say, hey, that church looks beautiful on the outside. Maybe I'd like to step inside and see more. And maybe here they'll find what I hope you find here, a beautiful garden, a spiritual garden of faith, hope, and love, a refuge of prayer, a place of rest in the Lord, a beacon of joy and good news. Which is why, when it comes to gardening and things of that nature, I must say that I don't like weeds. They're nasty. And, if left unchecked, they can take over my garden. Weeds do nothing for gardens but make them look unattractive. There's no curb appeal to weeds. I don't like weeds at all. They choke off flowers and plants and wreck everything. Given a hint of my own obsessive-compulsive personality trait, I like pulling up weeds. Even if I see the tiniest of weeds out there on this property, I have my eye on it. And for those stubborn weeds at curbside or sidewalks or on the parking lot, I use a lot of Roundup. Get those weeds 
pull them up, get rid of them. And just when I think those weeds are finally gone, I'm amazed how fast they return. There just doesn't seem to be an end to weeds in the garden. It drives me nuts sometimes. Well, for that reason, when our divine Lord instructs his disciples not to pull up the weeds, lest the wheat might also be pulled up with them, I have to say that this is one of those parables I just never liked. I just don't get the point. I mean, I do understand that the wheat in the parable represents the fruit of good people and that the weeds in the parable represent the evil people in the world. I get that. So it would seem to me logically that we should be trying to rid the garden of weeds, evil, so that the wheat, the good in life, might flourish more and more. Is that the point of life in some general way? To promote the good and eliminate the evil. So it would seem reasonable to pull up those weeds, to get rid of those weeds. Why allow the evil, those weeds, to coexist with the good, the wheat? That's seemingly unreasonable, illogical, just doesn't make sense to me. Or is it? Here, friends, we are presented with what we've described before as a real mystery. This is the mystery of good and evil, a classic philosophical topic and relevant in every age, and perhaps particularly today, in which with so much global communication so instantly, we see so much evil in the midst of good all around us. Well, our Lord's instruction suggests that my logic is not on board. So if I trust his words then I have to think differently. And because it is our divine Lord speaking here in the gospel, there is no deception, there's no lie, there's no falsehood. So we've got to probe a bit more to understand the mystery of why he says, let the weeds and the wheat grow up together. Good and evil growing together. You and I know good people in our lives, and perhaps you also know some evil people who have crossed our paths. Maybe even now you're in a relationship with somebody who is not so good to you. Maybe someone who's really hurt you in the past or even now making life very hard because of their abusive words or actions. And maybe you've been emotionally or physically abused and don't know how to get out of that antagonistic relationship. It's hard to live with people who are evil. And of course, there are gradations of evil, some more or less evil, but still evil in some way, shape, or form. Like weeds, evil shows itself across a wide spectrum of dysfunctional thought and behavior. And when this dysfunctional thought and behavior is freely chosen, we call that in our Judeo-Christian tradition, not just evil, but sin. And sin is evil. So there are people who do evil, but don't know that what they're doing is, in fact, evil. They really think that they are doing good and not evil. 
And the challenge in our contemporary day is that it's so hard to say to someone, hey friend, your choices are really hurting you and hurting others. It's really hard to suggest even that. With such gross relativism in the contemporary garden of our culture of good and evil, what appears as good to someone is evil to another. You have your opinion, I have mine, you call it good, I call it bad, you call it bad, I call it good. The popular opinion in this secular garden is that the objective distinction between weed and wheats, between good and evil, is actually irrelevant. Because why? It's all about me. As I see things. You see it your way, I see it mine. And that's where the discussion tends to end. But left unchecked, we call that radical subjectivism actually narcissism. And that is diagnostically a real mental and emotional problem for someone. It's a deprivation of their character. And when freely chosen or entertained, it becomes a real evil. It becomes sin. But as I said, there are a lot of people who subjectively think they are doing good, and yet objectively, they're not. And this is why our Lord is gentle with most of us who probably don't choose to do evil for evil's sake, but are so often confused or misinformed, even misguided or malformed, to think that we are doing good when, in fact, we're doing evil. See, this is where a lot of things get blurred from the perspective of the person as an individual subject with his or her own conscience, which may or may not be well-informed. That's why we need the church. So there are a lot of weeds out there who think they're just like the wheat. They don't understand that there really is an objective standard which says this is true, this is false, this is good, this is not good. When it comes to people and the way they might have been formed through their own good or evil experiences, family upbringing, education, and the consequences of their choices, all of that can get so very confusing that the line between good and evil, between the wheat and the weed, is often blurry for many people. Now, these are essentially well-intentioned people, but they don't know what is truly good. And the evidence of that, so often, is that they're not happy. They're not joyful. They're angry, often, among other disturbances. They're angry with themselves and others, and they seek, perhaps, to escape all of that with a life that doesn't lead them to greater truth and happiness, but to dissipation and maybe even self-destructive behaviors which end up hurting themselves and hurting others. I believe there are a lot of people like that with whom we live and work in the church and in society. We live with them, not because we really enjoy their company, but we might not have any other realistic option. Living with antagonistic parents, children, spouses, neighbors, teachers, politicians, journalists, aunts and uncles, cousins, nephews and nieces, mothers-in-law, among others. All that can be very tough. 
Sometimes those relationships are so deprived of goodness and therefore dysfunctionally evil. Yet we live with all of that. We put up with all of that. We tolerate all of that. I should say rather we tolerate not all of that, but we tolerate them. See, this is the distinction I want to make between what people do on the one hand, their actions, and who they are as persons, as agents, between action and agent, between what is done and who is doing it. So we're concerned about persons. So we don't want to say that we put up with all of that, but rather that we put up with all of them. And what's important here is that we don't have to approve of what they do as much as we seek, with God's grace, to love them as they are. See, that's hard. I don't have to approve of what you do, but I do love you. And that's not easy. Not easy at all. I know a lot of you, families during these months, have been living in close quarters at homes or apartments. You haven't been able to get out. Your routine is very much at home, secluded, quarantined. And close quarters can present a lot of antagonistic relationships, a lot of tensions. Not easy. Not easy to be loving at that time. And this is critical in the distinction that Jesus is making in the parable. I don't have to like those many weeds in my life, those evil persons, but I am called to love those weeds. Because if I don't love them, I'll end up hating them. And then I'll start pulling them all up. I'll get angry at them. I'll start uprooting them and ripping them out. I'm tired of weeds. See, this is the danger, friends. We can allow someone else's evil or dysfunction, their sickness, to become our sickness. We take on the traits of the weed. And that's not good for you, for me. Their sickness can become my sickness. Their emotional or physical or moral sickness, these evils, can make me sick too. But I have to live, not only with all that, I have to live with them. I have to work with them. I have to care for them. I have to maybe pay their bills and put up with their nonsense, but I don't necessarily like what they do but I am called to love who they are. Aside from all their evils, somehow deep down, they are persons made in the image and likeness of God who may have lost some of their original beauty by the choices they've made in life or the choices that may have been made for them. And our Lord tells us to keep those weeds close to us, or as close as we can, to show them not that we necessarily like them, but that we do love them. 
Now, this is where we get to the heart of the parable. And I would say, perhaps even the heart of Christianity. To love someone whom we don't like can help to solve a bit the mystery of good and evil in our personal lives. So the distinction between loving and liking. See, Christ doesn't condemn anyone. We condemn ourselves. Rather, on the other hand, he shows tremendous, infinite patience with us. Patience. It comes from a Latin word, patior pati, pasusum. It means passion or suffering. In other words, Jesus shows incredible, passionate love, a suffering love for us. We might even say that he shows a compassionate love, clearly manifest on the cross. There, our Savior puts up with, tolerates, endures all of our evils, all of the weeds in the world, from the dawn of time to the end of the ages. He takes all of that onto himself. He takes you and me, who also have our fair share of weeds in our souls. Now, as I said before from this pulpit, I personally would not be so patient. I could never be so compassionate. I could never be so good. Then I have to remember that I have my own weeds within my very soul, which I may find hard to pull out and uproot. That's why I need a professional gardener. I need someone who can do this for me. And that's the reason why I need a savior. See, I can't save myself from my own weeds, let alone all those other weeds in my life. As much as I might try and think that I can control every weed in my own little garden of good and evil, that's when I have, in the paradox of life, actually lost control of my garden. He says, let the weeds grow up with the wheat. In other words, be gentle with those weeds, those problematic, even sinful persons in your life. Be patient with them. Be passionately in love with them. Compassionately love. Suffer your love for them, as Jesus suffered his divine love for you and me and for all, for every wheat and every weed in this universe, which Adam and Eve began to mess up by introducing the poor choice for evil over good, and thereby infected that first garden with the weed of original sin. It's just been growing ever since. In the end, we have a true gardener, Jesus. And our Lord is assisted by other gardeners, his helpmates, Mary, chief among the saints, the angels, to do a lot of this work for us. Now, when it's all over at the end of the physics of time, there will be no more need for his patience. The story will be over. Then the divine gardener has to do the just thing and separate the good from the evil, the wheat from the weeds, and that's what he says in the parable. So we have to let the gardener the chief gardener, do his job. It's not up to me to solve all the evils of the world. It's not up to me to solve all those evil people who cross my path. God knows they probably are thinking the same thing about me. Can you imagine that? 
Yeah. I think most of us think we're wheat when we could be weeds. And sometimes we're weeds when we really are wheat. They grow together sometimes. So then, dear friends, we come to the wheat, the goodness in our lives, and we come to the wheat which makes the bread of life. Hence the parable of the leaven of bread, the yeast in the bread mixed with flour that manifests a beautiful kingdom, another kind of garden, the wheat which is Jesus, the bread come down from heaven, the Holy Eucharist. And here in the garden of this sanctuary, as in every sanctuary, we enter into the full mystery, another great mystery, of the life, death, and resurrection of the God-man, who entered a garden the night before he died amidst the weeds and thorns of that time, only three days later to rise from the dead from another garden, a beautiful garden. In this garden here, in this holy place, our divine gardener puts up with us, who are a mix of wheat and weeds, of goodness and evil, of grace and sin. He lets all of that within us happen. He's the gardener. And all this grows together for his purpose, so that love, truly his passion, suffering, and his divine love and mercy might abound through us, who proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So many mysteries to seek to understand. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, watch those weeds carefully. If you see them in another, or especially within yourself, be gentle, be patient, and end up hiring the most professional gardener you could ever have, a divine gardener, who knows how to work things out for you and for the many, so that sins may be forgiven. God love you.